Welcome to Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba. The programming that you're about to see was taped earlier this year. Clearly, so much has changed since then, and unfortunately, a lot of uncertainty and fear remain. However, the issues and the topics raised in this edition of Lessons in Leadership will still matter once we get through these very challenging and difficult times. So without further ado, Lessons in Leadership. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato coming to you from East May Media Studios in beautiful... Brian, what time does it get? A little false? This is like our 100th episode. You should know where we're coming from. I was joking. Okay, Come on. By fine. the way, the person who just jumped in without even being introduced is now the apparent anchor of this program. She's Mary Gamba, the executive producer. I'm moving and closer to the anchor. Uh, I don't know if we have a wide shot here, but I keep moving closer to your chair. I'm pretty sure we'll just push you right out. You know, there. we're talking about succession planning and sometimes they just push you right out. That's Mary Gamba. <laughs> She's the executive producer and co-host of the program. Mary, do us a favor before I introduce our very special guest. A... Tell folks how this program is supported. Absolutely. This, oh, I sound like a real infomercial now. This yes. program has been brought to you by uh, the great folks at Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, uh, New Jersey Resources, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers. And folks are watching us right now, uh, again, on a lot of different platforms, digital platforms, as well as on News 12 Plus. Every Sunday, we are on at 10 in the morning, followed by our terrific public policy program called Think Tank, the podcast, um, but also on AM 970. Mm -hmm. Every day at 2 p.m. on AM 970. And then again, followed by Think Tank, the podcast at 2.30 on AM 970 every Sunday. Yeah, you, you said every day the first time. Oh, I'm sorry. Every Sunday. Sorry. Yes, We're working. Okay. I apologize. Just say I sorry. Apologize. Say sorry. <laughs> I like the accent uh, on there. Mary loves my apology button. But uh, let's introduce our very special guest. We just don't goof around here. We do serious, substantive leadership programming. And we're pleased to introduce uh, Lori Roth, who is the National Managing Partner, Prager Metis. Lori, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. And you're there by your colleague, Rich Fuchs, who we've known for a long time. Rich is the Managing Partner, Basking Ridge Office of Prager Metis. Good to see both of you. Great to see you. Get this, get this out of the way first, Rich, all right? Uh-oh. You know about management. You know about leadership. You know about coaching because... All because of you, Steve. No, that's oh, not what I meant. No. That wasn't the answer? That this is up. a hockey connection. <laughs> I'm giving you a chance to plug a little hockey. Oh, all the coaching I do for hockey? Yes. Oh, this will make my wife really happy. Do that. <laughs> so, yes, I've been coaching for the past 20 years at all different levels of uh, youth hockey in, in the state of New Jersey, whether it was high school, down to mites, mini mites. I've had it all, boys, girls, you name it, just keep coaching. And the idea, frankly, is no matter where you're coaching or leading, it doesn't really matter the venue. It's really all the same. So in that spirit, Lori, let's jump right into this. We've had Lori joined us on, before we actually went to video, mm -hmm. Lori was phone. a great guest on the audio side, the radio side. You continue to learn every day. One of the themes and lessons in leadership is that we never stop learning. Exactly. You've taken on a new position in the last several months? Yes. Biggest leadership lesson you've learned since the promotion? I think it's really reinforced a lesson that I've always known, and that is that it's so important to surround yourself with the right people and to really help the people around you to elevate them to the best leaders and people that they can be. Um, one of my challenges as a national managing partner is to make sure that all the people are in the right seats, if you will, that everybody's working to the best of their ability and that makes it better for everybody around. I have a natural inclination to kind of jump in and do things that I should be relying on other people to do. So that's been probably the greatest lesson that's been reinforced. And we, again, we've had a lot of offline conversations as well. Let me disclose that we're doing a significant, our firm, 
uh, the firm that Mary runs day to day, our firm, Stand and Deliver. Uh, by the way, our website is? Mm -hmm. uh, Stand-deliver.com. And you go there. Everything's free. The articles are free. The books are not free. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that we do a lot of leadership development, and we have been doing executive coaching, performance coaching, leadership coaching at Prager Metis, as well as creating a, a leadership institute there as well. Now, Rich being next to you is not by accident. No. You talked about developing a team. I've known Rich for a long time. We worked at a different place. What did you see, what do you see in Rich Fuchs that causes you to say, this young man has real leadership potential? Right, that's great. You've obviously known him longer than I have, but I can tell you that as soon as I met Rich, I was taken by his energy and his passion for what he does and his ability to basically be a great leader and to pull things together. Whatever you throw at him, he says, sweet, and asks how he can do it. That's and exactly he, what he says. He does. <laughs> Pretty much. And he rises to the occasion. So, you know, he's the perfect example of somebody I need to surround myself with. And Rich, let me try it the other way. Because you have coached and led and you continue to with your team, right, in your particular office at Prager Metis, when Lori came to you and Glenn, Glenn Friedman, who um, actually check out the Prager Metis podcast, it's really terrific. Glenn hosts it as well. When Lori came to you and the other folks at the firm said, hey, we want you to step up and take on this responsibility, what was your reaction? Sweet. Right? <laughs> okay, uh, you're confident on the outside. Yeah. Is there any part of you on the inside that's like, really, now, me? No, yeah, definitely. I mean, you always have those questions, right? But uh, leadership is about empowerment, no doubt about it. And, and one of the things that, you know, is great is, is Lori and, and Glenn, they came to me, they asked me to fill this role. And, and definitely there's a minute where you're saying, wait, can I do this? You know, I'm, how experienced am I? But at the same time, you, you know that you have people in positions that aren't going to let you completely flop or fail. You know, I always like, I always say you have to fail hard at times and, and that's great. Oh, try that again. You have to fail hard, right? Because it's how we learn, right? We, we learn by our failures and, and not being afraid to fail. And I think that's a critical piece to, to being a leader or to, to being successful in life in general. You know, and, and knowing that I have Lori, that uh, she has my back and, and I can bounce ideas off of her and, and she allows me to, to kind of do what I need to do. But also when I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on something, I can go to her and say, hey, does this make sense? And, and, and she's always there as that support, which it's is It's an great. ongoing dialogue, isn't it? Yeah, sure. no Mary Gamba, it. please jump in. How does it work? Because, Lori, I know this is very great. You have the two of you right here, but you're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of people, correct, that correct. you need to oversee. How do you balance the that personal connection like you have with Rich, but you have people across the country and globally as well? How do you balance that and how do you make sure that you're touching base while not overstepping or micromanaging? Sure. Yeah. By the way, how many techno, how many employees? I think we're a little over 700 at Whoa, this point, right, all together. Mm -hmm. So, but the way we've tried to design it is to have, I'm the national managing partner, but we have regional managing partners and then office managing partners. And we do uh, have a monthly call where I touch base with all of them. And then we also have a quarterly meeting where everyone comes together in person and kind of reviews everything, shares what's going on in their office. And it's kind of more of a cascading up and down that way, right? So I take the feedback from them and can look at things from a global point of view that way much better. And then each of them has meetings with the partners and the team members in their offices. And that way it can kind of bring it all together. You know, standardization is a good thing, but having local personalities at each of those 
locations is important also. So we, we want to leave a lot of room for that. And just to piggyback on something that Rich said also, you know, part of the failure is learning from it and what you take from it. And that's part of how we make our improvements too and can spread them across the other offices that way by sharing our experiences. And that is in fact the theory behind the book, I'm very uncomfortable plugging um, lessons in leadership <laughs> and the podcast is look, any, any leader who tells you he or she has all the answers, they've made no mistakes, Rich is left because they're also <laughs> lying or they're delusional or the combination <laughs> of the two. Because the truth is this book and this podcast, this video podcast now with our new friends at News 12 Plus um, is based on mistakes. If you make mistakes and don't learn from them, that's the real problem. So in that spirit, I want to follow up on an interesting question that Mary and I talk about a lot offline. We talked about it a little bit the first time you're with us, but I want to do it here. Both of you are doers. You're very hands-on. We're pretty hands-on. You're really hands-on. Yeah. We continue to work on trying to find the right balance between being engaged, involved, and not micro, super micromanaging to the point where we're not seeing the forest from the trees, you, you say, Rich? Yeah. Right. Don't say it just yet. <laughs> yeah. How are you managing that? Because you, you were trained to be a doer. Now you have people working with you for you. You can't just do all their work. No, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to step back and, and allow other people to just, you know, do the task or whatever. But again, it, it, it's so important be, because as you, as you continue to move up and, and as you have more responsibility, you have to delegate those, those tasks out, right? You need to empower your team. It makes them feel good, right? It challenges them. People want to be challenged. They don't want to just keep coming in and doing the same thing day in and day out. And if they do, well, I don't fine. There's a role for that too. But most people, I would say, want to be challenged and they want to be be given more responsibility. I think a lot. Of, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with setting expectations, right? So if you if your natural inclination is to do it and you've asked somebody else to, you have to set the proper expectations and accountability, and that. That's a lesson that's hard to learn, really. I think that's one of the most important things about uh, being a leader, really, because if you don't properly set that expectation, then you're setting everyone up to fail and you're setting yourself up to go and do it because it didn't work out the way you needed to. So I think if you can set those expectations and have reporting and accountability, then you're all working together and you can help to guide mm -hmm. those people, put the systems in place through the expectations and the accountability to combat those pitfalls before they occur. And you could say accountability a million times, or I mean, that's exactly what it is because it helps that person grow, right? It teaches them what did they do wrong? How can they fix it later on, right? If you always continue to coddle them, right? Like my kids, then what's going to happen? You know, how are they ever going to be able to develop? And, did you and just grow say your kids say, were, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I don't, who coddles? No, no. I, I don't coddle my kids. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no let's get this kids. out of the way. Maybe <laughs> not my kids. This, but, uh, this podcast has been turned into a parenting <laughs> podcast. Right? Well, it's all I, the same. I have to say, you said you're a hockey coach. There's no way you're, you're coddling your kids. No. Are, no, I didn't think no, so. No, he's tough. <laughs> he's tough. Uh, let's do this. Uh, by the tough way, if you're listening fair, on the right? audio yeah, side, you cannot fair. see their smiling faces on camera. Um, we have Lori Roth, who is the national managing partner at Prager Metis, one of our longtime partners of this initiative. And Rich Fuchs is the managing partner of Basking Ridge office at Prager Metis. It's interesting. We were talking with Glenn about this on, on your podcast, on the Prager Metis podcast, but I want to follow up. When it comes to developing people, right? Let's, without naming names, because we do the leadership development at the firm, there have been f some folks who have said, nah, I'll pass. Question, 
He's not one of them, by the way. Rich Fuchs, not one of them. He, he was, he was like, sweet. No, <laughs> you got it. But here's what's interesting. Should we be forcing people to be coached and trained if they're in high level leadership positions? Or do you say only if you want it? Well, I think it's a combination. I think we should strongly encourage, <laughs> even to the point, I think a couple of times we actually had somebody who'd been coached and seen it as a positive experience, speak to somebody who, let's just say, is more reluctant to embrace the coaching. And I think that that was helpful. I think that um, it's a luxury. I think it's, a, it's part of how we invest in our people to give them that kind of coaching and training. And I think that I would hope that people would embrace it. Unfortunately, I think we see that the people who are more reluctant are probably the people who maybe need it the most. Um, so Pretty ironic. Yeah, it is ironic. So, But forcing, I guess that's a little bit tough, but I think that we learn something from the person who chooses not to do it about them. It's well said. And by the way, once someone says, I, I told this story a hundred times, I'll tell it again. It was at a financial institution. You know the story, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, this guy was... Uh, I was interviewing three people. The, the firm, it wasn't a firm, it was a large financial institution. And the board had hired me to talk to three different people. And one of them was a high-level executive within the company because they were going to be picking a CEO. And he had a high-level position. And I remember meeting with him in two minutes. I said to him, tell me what you're really good at and tell me where you want to improve. And I'll never forget, he said to me, look, Steve, I know you coach people, allegedly, I'm 55. This is as good as it gets. What the heck can you teach me? And I sat there for about 10 seconds and thought, I have my answer. And I went back and told the board, listen, do what you want. It's not my call. It's yours as your consultant and coach. You hire that person, you're in trouble. Because he stopped learning a long time ago. Rich, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think you're it's not close to that age, but go ahead. No, <laughs> not yet. No, but it's important, right? You never stop learning, and it, and it's these are critical skills as as the world continues to evolve and with technology. And we talked about on a podcast about the uh, the relationship side of the business, and these soft skills are critical, and they're going to be critical as you move forward. And look, I worked with you at a at a past life, right? And here we are again. And and when I was presented with the opportunity, I thought it was great. You know, sometimes it's it's just a therapy session a little bit. And sometimes it's, there's other things that, that you pick up that you're not, you're just not in tune with on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis. So having a coach like Steve come in to tell you about different things or how to handle certain situations, you can never stop learning those. Yeah. But I just want to clarify or Rich refer to it as a quote therapy session. Full disclosure, my doctorate is not in <laughs> psychotherapy. <laughs> it is Communications. By the way, Rich, this is great. Before we go, I'm going to say this. We're going to break right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Rich happened to be in the studio with Lori because we were doing the uh, Prager Metis podcast with Glenn. And I said, listen, stick around because we have to do the leadership show and you'd be great. And Rich said, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and I said, Mary, don't tell him. Let's just do it. So what does that tell you? Give you no notes, no yeah, nothing. Even better. Even better. Right, Lori? Great, great. And the other thing about communication is I'm convinced of this. For every leader who says... Uh, our son who's 15 said he didn't want to take a public speaking class because it wasn't, quote, an easy A. He wanted to take another class. I'm not going to say what it was. I said, Chris, get over your fear. He kept saying, I'm uncomfortable. Get comfortable. Being uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable because then you'll get more comfortable. It's weird, right? All right, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. That is Lori. This is Rich. And Mary, we're out to a break. Absolutely. Why we're going to go to a break. Why don't you formally and officially throw to a break? I am going to formally and officially throw to a break. We're going to break. We'll be right back. Well, that was really creative. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mary Gamba. 
If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to uh, Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with my co-host and the executive producer of this show, Mary Gamba. Hey, that was an interesting conversation with uh, Lori and Rich. What did you take away from it? I loved hearing Lori talk about the importance of your people, who a lot of I, a lot of the people that we talk about in Lessons in Leadership really talk about the importance of making sure that you surround yourself by good people so you have someone to delegate to, what, whether regardless of the task, and then also to bounce ideas off of. So Rich had said, I love the fact that I know that I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to do what I need to do. But if I fail, I know that Lori is going to be there, number one, to support me, give me the feedback that I need. But also if I'm unsure, I'm going to go to her to bounce ideas off of. And that's what you and I do a lot is really just coming up with ideas and thoughts and, hey, this is a good idea. And really telling the person what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, and this opens up, Mary, and Mary asked before, are we going to open up a quote unquote leadership Pandora's box, but we have about 10 minutes or so, and it's worth opening. So Lori, um, who you just heard before, Lori Roth, is, is taking on a real leadership position at her firm at Prager Metis. Glenn Friedman, who is uh, the CEO internationally overall, and uh, again, check out the Prager Metis podcast. It's terrific. And Glenn hosts it. But when Lori was promoted to that position, it's interesting to me because more and more women either are or should be taking on leadership positions. But here's what's interesting. There are questions, particularly, and this is not a political program, but in the 2020 presidential election, there is not, as we do this program right now, there's not a serious woman running for president. There may be on a vice presidential ticket, we don't know. Hillary Clinton in 2016 ran, did not win. Women are more than half of the population. Question. Loaded, I know. Mm-hmm. For women and others, but disproportionately women who say, hey, this is our time to lead. And when Hillary Clinton, I'll paraphrase, I think she said on CNN, when women step up and want to lead, there are people who push back a lot. I'm paraphrasing. Check it out. Do you think that women should be given more of an opportunity to lead? Have they earned it? Loaded question, I know. Or is gender irrelevant? Gender should be irrelevant. It's not yet. I don't think that women need to be given, quote unquote, the opportunity to lead. I think they need to lead. What you and I have talked about on this podcast a million times is, especially at the time of the Me Too movement, I think more and more women need to stop talking about leading and stop stop saying they want to have opportunities and go out and take those opportunities. What about if men are blocking them? They need to keep pushing. They need to be persistent. They need to, if you get knocked down, you know, a million times, then a million and one times you need to get up and and find another way and be resilient and and prove that you deserve to be there. And I'm not saying that the women that are are not running, you know, in any campaign or for CEO or for any management position aren't doing that. I'm saying we need to fight harder. If you really want something, that is the only way you're going to get it done. Don't wait for someone else to quote unquote, give you the opportunity because then it's never going to happen. Well, you know, it also opens up another interesting angle here. Again, not about politics, but about leadership. So um, there's also not a minority running. 
There's not a particularly young person running. In an organization, whether you're talking about the federal government, forget about government, it could be any organization. Do you believe that the best leaders, Mary Gamba, by the way, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, if you're listening on the audio side, this is Lessons in Leadership. Real quick, uh, because we're also smart, um, male, female, doesn't matter. We know to thank our funders, mm-hmm. and they are. They are Prager Metis. Uh, we just had on Lori and Rich, who are great. Gibbons PC, Law Firm, New Jersey Resources, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. So here's a question. Do you think the best leaders, Mary Gamba, actually diversify the team so that there are women, there are minorities, there are younger people, there are all different kinds of folks Or does that not matter? The only thing that matters is performance, regardless of who people are. That is a very loaded question. I think it's both. I, I, not even I think, I I feel confident enough now, you and I have worked together for going on 20 years. We have seen it in our own staff by bringing in different ages, different gender, uh, different ethnicity, whatever it is, helps us to really see something from others' perspectives. And that's, I think, a lot of what's missing in politics today. And again, this isn't about politics. It's about leadership. It's about society and culture, really. It's about being more global thinking. It's more about, okay, what can we do as a whole that would be not as effective if I tried to do it on my own? And what other perspectives can I listen to? And by getting all those different perspectives into a think tank, uh, to you know, use that term, is much more beneficial. But with that, though, I think it is interesting. You brought a, up a great point that there's not really anybody that's super young running for president right now. Right. And as somebody that's younger, uh, not than you, just you know, in in than the candidates. You notice I'm just letting you go. You can say just what let you me go. And um, I feel more comfortable. I, I I want somebody on a little bit of the older side. I feel like there's institutional knowledge, and, and I'm not saying they have to be. I, I I won't even put a number on it. But if somebody's no, running go for ahead. president, put a number on it. Hold on, Mary. If somebody's running for president, that's thirty. They're in their high seventies. That's no. That let me finish. Go ahead. If somebody is running when they're 30 and somebody's running when they're 90 or going to be 90, you know, somewhere within their term or going to be in their 80s, that's not good. I'm saying you've got to find that happy medium, though. I think that having institutional knowledge, having experience, all of that is helps you to be a more complete leader. You know, it's so interesting when you think about it. And again, forget about politics. You so many other shows talk about that. And by the way, here on News 12 Plus, you can check out Think Tank, the podcast, and also on our public television stations, our partners at WNET and NJTV and WHYY. You can check out uh, Think Tank, the actual program, policy and politics, et cetera. But you know, age is an interesting question and leadership because you can use the presidential campaign as an interesting um, microcosm, if you will, laboratory for this. So listen, as we do this program, on it's the 9th, right, Brian Bordeaux, right? The 9th of March. We don't know. We know Donald Trump um, will run. And I believe he's 73, 74. I think he's 73, 74. And the two candidates on the Democratic side that it looks like, you know, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, high 70s. That means they will be in their 80s. Oh, yeah. Not President Trump, but close. You said, I think you said that that's an issue. That you get high 70s. I think once high 70s, early 80s, uh, and again, uh, now we'll probably get a ton of evil mail no, coming no, no, in, but, 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 there's but an, it's been There are proven. some firms that stop you. Mary, there are right. some firms. The Supreme United States Supreme Court, not, I shouldn't say that, the, not the Supreme Court, but there are other places, other courts 
in other parts of the country where there is mandatory retirement age. Absolutely. There are certain firms and companies that have a mandatory retirement age. Right. There is not a mandatory, you can't run for president, you can't be the leader of the free world at 77, 78. So? So that's what I'm saying. I don't think that we should have a president that's 70, you know, nine going to 85. What does that have to do with leadership? It has to do a lot with leadership. If you get too, uh, it's been proven scientifically that things start to slow down. Your mind doesn't work as sharp. You're not as sharp. And frankly, you may just get super opinionated. You may just, you know, you've got not nothing to lose as you get older, um, you know, and you may just, you know, make poor decisions based on just your personal feelings instead of what's best for the greater good. So I think there's that balancing act. I really wow. do. Wow. I do. I do. So, so, so it also brings up another leadership question. Do you think that some of us in our very early 60s. Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. Ouch, wow. that hurt. That's not um, you, though. That's Brian now. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm joking, Brian. Brian, Brian she, if I'm you saw Brian joking. on camera, you know that's a joke. So um, someone said to me the other day, we're at a party, Steve, you really look good. I mean, for your age. That hurt. Wow. Here's they my had point. To add that I know. In there. Here's my point. Do you think that those of us who are middle aged, a little past middle age, that we actually have some sort of responsibility from a leadership point of view to get out of the way? It depends what line of business you're in. It depends on if you're essential personnel, absolutely. If you're making huge decisions that are going to impact hundreds, if not thousands and millions of lives, absolutely. You should, you know, Whoa. know when to hang your hat up. But smaller organizations and things that if you enjoy what you're doing, if you have the right people beneath you and you're going to work in more of an advisory capacity, then sure, you could stick it out as long as you want but to. But to be the main, main leader, driving things every day, the level of energy, commitment, enthusiasm, you say a relatively younger person's game. I believe so, yes. But not too young. Not too young. What's the too young thing? I think, you know, I wouldn't want a president that's, you know, in their 20s or Forget early 30s, president. you know. We're talking uh -huh. about CEOs. You're talking about heads of departments, leaders of companies. Yeah. Super young. He or she is this young superstar coming up. They're innovative. They're creative. We have they're worked. They're 32 no. years old. No, 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 no. Let me finish. Go we ahead. have worked with a lot of organizations, and I think that I can count on one hand how many younger CEOs have really had what it takes to succeed and are still there to this day because of it. But there's been a lot who have failed. And not to say that you shouldn't try it because you may fail, but if you're going to go for that, you might as well just do it when you have a little bit more experience under your belt. That's just me. But the point here is that there, there's some correlation in your mind between age and leadership. Definitely. And, it's a, and you don't think there's a great correlation between gender and leadership it should only be about qualifications and women should go ahead, if I'm taking this the right way, instead of waiting for it, go take it. Exactly. Agreed. And, and I'm not saying that women are complainers. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's a lot easier. At all. A lot, it's a lot easier when you don't get that job, if you don't get that promotion to say, hey, it must be because I'm a woman and the guy down in, you know, the corner office, he got the promotion. It's a lot easier to say that than it is to say, you want to know what? I'm going to keep fighting for this until I get what I want. And if it's not here, it's going to be somewhere else. But I'm going to keep doing what I need to do until I get there. All right, let's do this. What do we got? Two minutes left. This is from John Maxwell. To add value to others, one must first value others. Interpret now, that? Well, first of all, we didn't compare notes and we circled the same thing uh, out of the it's top. Weird to That's me. just really, really weird. Um, but that really stood out to me. And as we looked at this independently, and you need to show other people that 
you value them and you need to truly value them, not just on the surface, not, hey, I really appreciate you. You need to genuinely show that you value them. And that's what that means to me. As a person or as a team member performing well? All the way around. Hopefully it's as a person and as a team member, but most importantly in business, it has to be you value them as a team member. You don't have to like them outside of the office to feel like they really do a good job and they add value to the team internally um, to still find value in them. But in an ideal world, you find somebody that you can value for both qualities. And I value Mary Gemma um, as a colleague, as a friend, as a leader of this organization day to day, as the co-host of this program. And by the way, if it were not for Mary and for Brian and your team here at East Main Media, we would not be doing this podcast on video that's seen all over the place. I heard on AM 970, the radio station, uh, News 12 Plus. And by the way, the other digital platforms that mm-hmm. folks know? Oh, all over. NJBIA, ROI, NJ.com, Meadowlands Media, um, and bestofnj.com. You can find us there. And also a thank you to our sponsors again for helping to make this program possible. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. And this has been Lessons in Leadership. Make sure you catch us next week. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition, which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you.